0: So, Everett Thomas in Curtain Continuity 2021 is on the roster. He is an official X-Men in Hickman's um, Dawn of X, X-Men run. However, that is not his first time. My man was an X-Men back in 1994. Two Smells Like Teen Mutants, this is a carefree black nerd walk down memory lane. Join me, your host, Rain Coleman, as I revisit my all-time favorite comic. My favorite comic of the 90s, Generation X. Ah. Now, sit back, relax, and load up bone guns bring your friends <laughs> as we revisit generation x Woo, y'all okay we're slowly making it through this arc we are still in the phalanx covenant now i'm not sure now i know the title of this arc is generation next but it's part of the phalanx covenant and i believe for the last couple episodes i've been saying phalanx Co- either way i'm right but this is generation next book Three. ...within the Finlay's Covenant arc. So, want to clear that up right there. <laughs> this is issue 3, or part 3 rather, Enter Freely and of Your Own Free Will. Uh, this reading for this episode is Uncanny X-Men number 317 from the 1963 series. Man, so... It's 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 been a bunch of shit. It's been a bunch of shit going on. So we're diving. We're actually picking right back up Um, again. I think maybe a couple hours after the last issue, I would imagine um, we have page good three and all of her uh, southern glory <laughs> and in this issue the phalanx covenant tie-in page good three has been captured along with several other young mutants can they escape the grabs of the phalanx now um for this issue this is again uncanny x-men issue one uh, 317 Back for the 1963 series. Uh, the creative team. We have Scott Lobdell as the writer. Joe Madiera as the penciler. Dan Green as the inker. Steve Boucheletto as the colorist. And Chris Elo elopolis as the letterer now this issue was published in october 1st of 1994. now the first couple issues i believe i had been listing the characters and i'm not going to do that um well i may in in episodes in the future but for this one and for maybe some few others i think i'm going to refrain from that because i want some of this to kind of be a sort of surprise if you've never read the series, if it's been a while since you've read it. Um, I don't want to act as if everyone is familiar with Generation X. Um, I will say the cast um, who we will be focusing on is Sean Cassidy, Emma Frost, Jubilation Lee, and Everett Thomas. Uh, remember, Sabretooth went missing at the end of the last issue, and now these are the four For all intents and purposes, these are the four X-Men. These are the only X-Men we have at this time. Now, Paige, she is, she's something else. Uh, With this issue, I really enjoy the artwork, like, my God. This artwork is, feels very 90s, and it feels very much like the work, um, it's kind of the, the, the artwork that comes to mind when I think of the X-Men. Like, I think my brain immediately goes to the 92 X-Men animated series. And then bounces right back to this type of artwork. So, the X-Men in the in the early mid-90s is like, for me, that is signature look for them. Not for Generation X, but for X-Men, yes. Now, with this, we, um, we have two storylines going on. We have the kids who have been captured. And then we have the four remaining X-Men who... Banded together at the end of the last episode. Now, Paige, we focus on her. And I love this... I don't know, I just... I'm a fan of the series, so sometimes I do feel like I'm biased. But my god, like, the artwork is amazing. And this is where I met the favorite team love of my (laughs) life in the Felae's Covenant. So we open up with Paige in this, like, blue... Um, I'll say if you watch Star Wars or Star, or Star Trek rather back then, it, it gives off that very same Star Trek Enterprise uniform that everyone wore. It, it felt like that. Now, she's rubbing her neck, she's kind of hunched over, and the uh, captions go as follows. <clears throat> like most American teenagers, Paige Guthrie believes she's seen it all. Been there, done it. Just today, for example, she was kidnapped from her family's farmhouse in Kentucky, lost the battle to a handful of techno-organic beings called the phalanx, and taken here, to this unknown place, where she is just now returning to consciousness, a fact she'll soon discover might not necessarily be a plus. Man, this is good. This is good. So she wakes up, neck hurt, draped in this blanket, blanket thing and again i'm going to focus on the um the physical attributes of these characters like i know i mentioned in the last episode like i really was heavy on the (laughs) blonde hair blue eyed white family in kentucky but that's just to just because we just met her Um, but I think that it's really important to focus on those differences and those, um, aesthetics, that, that description, especially when it's in this series, because everyone is so different and it is very much a body horror type of, um, deal with this book. Everyone has some unique feature about them. And to be quite honest, when it comes to X-Men teams, I think Generation X is one of the most diverse teams, um... Yeah, I, I believe so. And so Paige and her description and her families is but a cog in that gigantic wheel of like how these characters are different. So Paige, conventionally attractive, blonde hair, blue eye, white girl, um, long... Thick, luscious blonde hair. And then uh, she has this blanket draped over her. And it looks like it's the same material as her kind of suit. So she pulls this off. The camera pans back. And we see that she is not alone. There are four other uh, kids, children, people in this room with her. And when I say room, I mean the most like abstract alien of rooms. It feels like there's like a... Think of like a tent. But instead of it being like a pointy triangular tent, kind of like a dome. And then there's these, like, on the wall, on the curved wall, there's this maybe glass-looking... There's these windows, use that term loosely because you can't see out of them, that looks a lot like stained glass, like in a church or a cathedral or something. And we see that... The blanket she's wearing is actually one of the other people in the dome with her. This young, gray-skinned guy who is, his skin is, like, expanded. It looks like he's a blanket. And she's looking at him, and she's like, oh, oh, hello, what is this? So, <laughs> so the captions continue. They say, Most American teenagers, upon discovering that they've been draped in the distended skin of a mutant boy, might be shocked, startled, or perhaps justifiably squeamish. But as the younger sister of X-Force's cannonball, Paige already fancies herself something of an X-Men through association. Consequently, she manages a calm, collected... Mmm, hello. Um... There are certain accents that I don't feel equipped enough to muster. That being said, you will not get me doing a stereotypical accent for Angelo. Um, I will read his words. And he says, buenos dias, chico. Welcome to hell. Like... I've said in like other episodes of different series I've done, like how much I love to see this scene on a big screen or this scene in a TV show and this scene. but honestly and truthfully, and I want to say, I mentioned it in the first episode of this series, I would freaking love to see the fan covenant. As the live-action arc for Generation X, even if you condense it to a like two two and a half hour movie, if you do maybe two movies or a trilogy, if you do maybe a live-action TV show, or even um I had mentioned on Twitter uh, at SL um, TM Pot excuse me that if we take the Invincible style artwork and give a animated Generation X series. The Fan Covenant will be a phenomenal arc to start, and I think it's actually a really perfect arc. It's an arc that matters. It matters to the X-Men at large, so if you are only an X-Men fan and you're reading this because it's required reading, you're going to get introduced to Generation X. Um, also, if you're just a generation X fan, you don't have to be so familiar with the lore of X-Men to jump into the phalanx Covenant and then go smoothly right into generation X. Like I feel like that is it's really it they really did a good job at balancing both where like I said, if you're an X-Men fan, you can read it, get introduced to these characters if you like them, follow them, if not, whatever. but if you're a generation X fan, you don't need to know every single thing. So uh, Paige looks up and they're having a conversation and then there is um, so there's Ange- Paige, blonde hair blue eye white girl. You have Angelo who is Hispanic, he's gray skinned, has brunette short brunette have this like superman looking dude this white guy with blonde hair as well very muscular now with him um i mentioned in the last uh well on twitter but my issue with a lot of the artwork from the 90s is that even when there are children and when i say children i mean like teenagers on on the panel and on page they look like fully grown adults like they're big as hell muscular curvy all of that Um, this character looks that way, and I'm going to assume that he's a teenager, but with the way in which they're drawn, it's like this man is not 15, Uh, 28 maybe, not 15. But I don't know if it's because of a secret that'll come out later or if it's just because everyone was drawn in this style. Um, Then we get a young girl who has a, a pale purple extremely pale purple color on her skin, so she, it, I want to say it's it's not really, hmm, what am I trying to say, well, her name is Claire Reese, um, and she has like this spiky, I don't know if this color is like supposed to be red or if it's pink, but she has a very pale color skin, light pinkish purplish hair and these markings above her eyebrows that look kind of i'll say tribal uh then we have this black girl with a high ponytail long curly black hair that's monet my girl monet we met her already you know that's my favorite right there and so we get all of them in the room, and the big muscular guy's like, Gosh, Angelo, there's no call to talk like that in front of women. They're no doubt frightened enough as it is about you being so negative. And I was like, Even as a kid, I was like, Boy, if you not shut the fuck up, like, what are you talking about? We've all been kidnapped. Assumably, we're all children and we're kidnapped. Like, no, you're not going to police my the way I respond to this trauma when we don't know what the hell is going on. So, um, yeah, then we get the little title sequence. Enter freely and of your own will. I think I said free will in the title, but it's own will. Um, and so, <laughs> he says, excuse me, Gregor, because that's this man's name. Like, Gregor? Who's named Gregor? Uh, but I was only trying to be realistic. Someone or someones went to a lot of trouble to kidnap the five of us. I doubt we're here for the Cinco de Mayo Festival. Now, I'm not Latin. I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Spanish at all. But I wonder when it comes to some of these characters and the way they're portrayed and some even the the uh, vocabulary or sayings and language given to them if any of this is borderline cringy or if it is problematic in a way like i can speak to everett and monet in the way that they're portrayed because of course i'm black they're black um and i can even speak to some of the other characters with different races but there's this tightrope that you really have to walk because i don't want to in turn like offend somebody by trying to be like oh they shouldn't have did such and such like this, but I, when I read some of Angelo's dialogue, I'm like, are y'all just, like, really pushing this, look, y'all, he is Hispanic, look at this, look at this, look at him, look at, like, I don't know, I don't know, but then also, is it just, like, is that a actual normal, um, um, kind of way of conversing, because I don't, Say, oh, I know they wouldn't bring us here for no Black History Month festival. Like, I feel I don't know. Just some of his conversation feels kind of odd to me. And if anyone out there is a um is in this community and you can speak to that, and you're familiar with Generation X or even the character, let me know because I would I would be very interested to see if some of his story feels cringy or if it's like no that's normal for us and especially with it being like a period piece because this is from the 90s um yeah but that's neither here nor there so Paige is like going into leader mode she's like okay we got to figure out how to get out of here she's giving off the little information she knows and I like her and I would like to see this on screen because you it's it's pretty much like a breakfast club situation where you have everyone in their respective role or stereotype and Paige falls right in line, and I haven't, I've been a fan of Paige, but I never, I was never a stan of hers like I was with other characters, but like, revisiting this series is showing me that like, no, I think I, I think I really am maybe close to being a stan of Paige, I don't want to say that yet, but I enjoy her, and I enjoy the way that she's been written, and even with some of her flaws, I enjoy those as well. So um, Angelo brings his skin back to normal, uh, as far as shape, still is gray skin, and I love that Paige and Angelo are like kind of going tit for tat back and forth with each other um, through this like horrendous experience. So Paige is like touching the walls and stuff. She says. Uh, Let me see, can I attempt a southern accent? Well, y'all, I... Okay, those someones I call the Phalanx, a techno-organic alien race with no great love of mutants, which is what I am, and what I am assuming we all are. But don't panic anyone, I'll get us out of here, and we'll contact people who can help us. People called the X-Men, they're a team of mutants who protect the world against such a threat as the Phalanx. (laughs) and Angelo says wow good thing the country mouse showed up to save the day what did you think we've been sitting here on our thumbs waiting for you to rescue us and it's like why are y'all going at it right away I don't know I just I love that and I would love to see that on screen and so they turn to Monet who is sitting up back against the wall knees close to her chest and her arms are in front of her knees and she's fiddling with pieces of her blue uniform everyone's wearing the same uniform and it's like she ripped off a piece from her forearm and is just kind of playing around with it and so angelo continues it ain't going to happen uh we've tried everything to get out of here and then Paige says and i you know, i'm focused on it because this is so fucking funny she said my apologies, Mr. Competent. I saw you had a heap and your friend here is in a catatonic super and automatically assume you could use the help. Like, I just love this back and forth, especially with their relationship throughout the rest of the series where they do um, at the start, at least have this kind of budding friendship with like Scrabble. It's a whole thing. We'll get to it. But I love that. I love that. And then here comes stupid-ass Gregor. They're there, boys and girls. Uh, let's not argue amongst ourselves. I bet you if we all pitch in and work together, we'll be home for dinner. Like, nigga, what? Like, I hate him. I hate this dude. So, um, yeah, they're all just pretty much going through their own trauma response i'll say uh clarice is in gregor's arms she's crying she looks like she's probably the youngest of them uh i just i love it so they're going back and forth and Paige is reassuring clarice like hey we're we're gonna be okay like you're you. okay let me <clears throat> let me try to ask it again uh <clears throat> my name is Paige, darling and you are clarice Listen to me, Clarice. Everything is going to be fine. I have certain friends that are looking for me right now. Friends that won't stop for nothing, for anything, until I'm free. When that happens, we're all walking out of here together. Until then, I need you to be strong for me, for all of us. Y'all, please rate this accent, because I feel like I kind of got it, but not. <laughs> and Southern women, do not be upset with me. <laughs> so they're all pretty much meeting each other, reassuring each other. And I like that Paige took on this role. Um, And that's one of the things I do like about her. So Monet is my all-time favorite. But I like that they are very similar, and they're very different. And we don't really see a lot of that... Or we don't see we don't see it highlighted right away, but I like that Paige is like taking charge. I can see where she would get annoying as hell because she feels like that kid who's like, oh, remember on um, if you've watched the Magic School Bus, that girl that keeps saying, oh, at my old school we did this, in my old school she feels like a know it all. But at the same time, this know it all kind of sort of does know it all, at least more than the rest of y'all. Like her brother has been an X man. Her brother is a mutant this like she this not her first rodeo so even if you're frustrated or like girl shut the hell up it's like "Mm." but like also she knows what the hell she's talking about but she does feel like she's really centering herself like i have these mutant friends that are taking care of me they're looking for me and me and (laughs) so i don't know but i still i do like that i like her so in the in the meantime Monet's still fiddling with this like thing whatever it is she's doing and clarice Looks down at Paige, and she's like, Paige, uh, tell me, I need to know, um, will your friends be here before you disappear? And we pull back, and there's like this, so they're wearing the blue, like, bodysuit, but then there's this gold mesh that goes from, like, Paige's groin up to her, maybe the middle of her stomach. And it looks like the phalanx, it looks like the gold, copper-colored Thing or whatever it's the transmo virus and she's like oh i must have got infected when we was attacked uh harvest got me i'm infected nothing to worry about i know i'll be okay and then we switch gears and we go to a uh not so far away in the city of san francisco now this is where i was so excited as a gen x fan because in the text canonically in this text before the generation x series started these two Generation X members, Everett Thomas and Jubilation Lee, along with Sean Cassidy and Emma Frost, were the X Men. They were all that remained. So even though it's a default status. They still were X-Men. So, Everett Thomas in current Continuity 2021 is on the roster. He is an official X-Men in Hickman's um, Dawn of X, X-Men run. However, that is not his first time. My man's was an X-Men back in 1994. So, <laughs> and it's so cheap. This is very much a default because they're the only ones remaining. But I'm taking it as a win. This man was an X-Men. So, uh, we go to California. We go uh, to this big, I don't know, rooftop mansion at the top of this tall, glamorous skyscraper, this Victorian townhome. And it is Emma Frost's home, one of her homes. Her, Sean, Everett, and Jubilee, they land there. They talk about what's next. Sean disables all of her um defenses, like guns and cameras and shit that's pointing at them, using his sonic voice, knocks that shit out. Uh, they're going to this humongous-ass room, which is, I guess, her living room, which, big red carpet over these big checkered marble floors and this, like, white couch. in the Like it's, a, it's just ridiculous. And pretty much they come up with a plan, like, we need to get to these children. They know from the last issue, Emma can sense as, like, some kind of way she can telepathically sense the children. I believe it's mainly Paige, and it's a very faint, weak signal, but it's enough to like kind of get them started. Then we go back to the kids, and it's like, Paige, you about to die? The transmo virus is spreading. Clarice is stressed out. Gregor, ugly ass, is looking and concerned. Monet's in the back, still fiddling with whatever she's doing. Uh, Paige is like, girl, I don't know. Um, this might mean I'm the first to die. And Angelo shakes her. He's like, man, enough, Chica. You were right. You were right to believe that there must be a way out. We can't overcome this. I freaking love how dramatic this shit is. like X-Men, comics in general, but like X-Men and the mutants are dramatic as hell. This is so, this is so intense. So he cusses her out. We can't overcome this. Just because I'm oppressively negative doesn't mean I'm not smart enough to hope. Why the sudden change in in attitude? (laughs) I hate them. So then one of the doors, quote unquote, opens. And there's this humongous techno organic phalanx thing. I believe it's Harvest. And he's like, you know, y'all over here hoping. Let me tell you motherfuckers about hope. I was a human once. And my name—well, it don't matter what my name was. I was a husband. I was a father. My heart was filled with overflow with hope that the world be a better place. If I was only brave enough to to join the phalanx and rid the world of mutants. But that was when I was a carbon—carbonate? Car, mm, yeah, I can't read. Either way, this big motherfucker pops up to talk shit, scaring these goddamn kids. He says he's now called Harvest, and he ain't for the shit. And so, Claire Reese, who's been the meek, timid, scared one this whole time, she says, no, no, he continues, and I will not rest until all organic life on the planet Earth has been called as a uh, chaff from the wheat, whatever that is, I don't know, kill him. She says, and we're to sit back while you attack and kill? No, Harvest, not me. In a way, they have her... Oh, my God, I just, I'm a fan of hers as well. She um, starts to use her powers, in the captions, say. Um, as with most mutants, Clarice Ferguson remembers the first time she used her mutant ability. Unlike many, she recalls walking up, waking up several hours later in a pool of blood. In that moment, she vowed never to use her power against another living being. Ha! But all that changes. In the blink of an eye... For a fraction of an instant, everything that is harvest is somewhere else. So with her powers, she blinks and picture those like animated, let's say anime shows or cartoons where someone's fighting with a sword And then they get the chopping and all this other shit. And then the person is just standing there whole. And then they start to split apart because the person who's using the sword was so expertly skilled at chopping up a motherfucker. That's essentially what happens here. And so when she does that, Gregor grabs her and says, Get back, Clarice. He'll hurt you. She says, Gregor, no, let me go. But in that moment that she is held back, the techno-organic portal spirals shut an automatic response to this assault on one of its own. The last sight the young mutants see before they are again enveloped in this chamber is that of Harvest, reeling in pain, recovering. They understand he'll be back. So, like, what the fuck? Like, I wanted to punch Gregor in his fucking head. Clarice is whooping his ass, but the thing is, remember from the first episode, the phalanx are able to adapt against your power set, which now seems kind of odd. Like, oh, you can't use your powers on them twice. But then, how do you adapt against that? Like I said with Sabretooth in the last episode, like, when your power is literally physical strength, the only way to combat that is just to fight back. Whereas if your power is, I don't know, lightning strikes, I guess you can kind of anticipate that. But with Clarice's powers... If I can split your body into several different sections at the blink of an eye, how do you combat that? Like, even if I do it once and you learn that's what I can do, what can you possibly do outside of just murdering me to, to go up against that? Like, that doesn't feel, am I making any sense, y'all? <laughs> Let me know, because I feel like that's not something you can easily combat. Especially when she doesn't have to be literally in your face. Because him and Clarice and Harvest were, I would imagine, maybe six feet away from each other. Uh, either way, so the kids realized that, you know, this is this is interesting. This is the interesting set of events. Like, we're able to inflict harm on these people. And so, this bitch-ass motherfucker talking about, Holy cow, gang. I hope I didn't do anything wrong. I was just afraid of what uh, he'd do if he got a hold of Clarice. And, Oh my God! And uh, ever the 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 hero, the leader. Paige is like, don't <clears throat> don't blame don't blame yourself, Gregor. We're all new to this. Ugh, I do not like the accent. Either way, they're. I don't know. So, Angela says, we learned that they apparently can't dampen our powers, or they would have, which means instead of us being trapped in here with them, they're trapped in here with us. And again, I love that. Like, this is honestly, again, I said it earlier, I said it in previous episodes, I think the Phalanx Covenant is a fantastic way to introduce Generation X. I know that it is a larger story over the X line, but I feel like if we're going to go animated series or even live action, that would be a phenomenal way to bring in Generation X without having to um, tie in the rest of the X-Men. How the Fox um, New Mutants had their attempt at the Demon Bear Saga as a way to like bring in the New Mutants. I feel like the Phalanx would have been an amazing way to bring in Generation X, Like. Hands down. And actually, let me know if you agree or not. I've been saying that this whole episode. But do you think the Fenway's Covenant is a good way to introduce Generation X, uh, be it animated or be it live action? So we go back to San Francisco, and we have Everett, who's drawn like a 40-year-old man, and Jubilee, who the same. She looks grown as fuck. So they get to talk, and they're on the Golden Gate Bridge, and he's like, man, you know, do you want me to leave you alone? She's like, you know what? Believe it or not, when I first started hanging with the X-Posse, all this used to be fun. He says, and now? Now I hate it. Not all of it. I mean, I love all of them. Even Drake, Iceman. But I hate this feeling of being useless. I can't stand knowing I can't help my friends when they need me most. Like, cool. Okay. Okay. But she gets to talking about her powers. And he's like, man, I know you can, you know, I've seen you in action. You can be impressive. Like, you got some stuff going on. So she shoots her plasma fireworks stuff in the air and says, please and and a half. Excuse me, please and a half. Oh, jeez, this 90s dialogue. Please and a half. Everett, I'm a walking firecracker for crying out loud. Worse or still, I'm a sparkler. Compared to people like Storm and Bishop and Gambit, I am in need of serious training. And I feel like this was their way of, like, setting up Jubilee joining Generation X to kind of really drive home that, yes, she has these powers, these have been her powers since she's been on the team, in the books, but they haven't really evolved. And if we have this new, young generation, like, why not have her go off with them as the, you know, entry character? So Everett turns to her and says, well... When put in that context, I'm forced to agree with you. That is a pretty lame power. I mean, it's cute or whatever, but I don't like... Okay, so I mentioned on Twitter, I don't understand why Jubilation Lee is not going by Jubilation. Make these people say your name. She is a Chinese first-generation American who used to have money, came from money. She's an orphan. She's been stuck in this same... 90's mall rat aesthetic and like station forever I feel like no one has really done her justice she needs to be upgraded both in aesthetic and clothing and in power set when it comes to Asian characters I believe her and Sunfire have a very similar power set I do not understand why Jubilee Jubilation excuse me Everett and Sunfire do not get together and work on upgrading her powers. Like, if you're not going to just upgrade her or give her a secondary mutation, like you do with all these other goddamn mutants, why not find a way to organically make her grow? Like, I don't understand it, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, Jubilee, she's trash, she's this and that, she's shitty, a bad character, whatever. Okay, fine. Opinions are your own. You can have them wrong or whatever. But I do hate that this woman... Child at the time, but woman has been with these X-Men characters for so long, and has been stunted. And I, I say it's the creative team, it is the writers, it is the well, not the artists so much, but it's the writers, it's the the editors, the people in charge. Where it's like, what is the point of this character at this point? What is the point of Jubilee? If you have made her a vampire, you've made her a mother. You still got her in this yellow jacket. Same style as before. She seems to have no ties to her culture. I really don't like that. Again, I'm not Asian. So, you know, maybe that's okay. But it feels like for all these characters that we have here. And especially for her. Someone who is an orphan. And her family was like wealthy as shit before. Can we not get more from her? I don't know. I feel like she's one of those people who you think of when you think of the X-Men. Especially if you're like... I don't know, 27 plus years old and you watch the 90s TV show as a child. There's no way Jubilee doesn't come to mind when you think of the X-Men. Why has she not been elevated? And then through this run of Generation X, how is it that I love Sink to death? I love Everett Thomas, but how is it she's not an X-Men member? How is it you haven't put her at that same station as the other characters who have been around at the same time that she was? I just I think it's terrible. And if I need to be the sole member of the Jubilation Lee fan club, then I'll be that. Like, Marvel, hire me. I got you. I got a story in me. I mean, it would probably be better if there were Chinese women (laughs) in the creative team. But either way, you know what I'm saying. Let me write a Jubilation Lee. You know what? I might do a Jubilation fanfic. Maybe I'll do something like that. Maybe I will. Y'all let me know. Would you want to see, I don't know, maybe a three or four page fanfic? of uh, Jubilation Lee, and, you know, just a nice little story that I, w- that I could come up with. That we'll, we'll work on that. Either way, okay. So, <laughs> getting back to the issue at hand. So, uh, we get ju- um, White Queen and Banshee, and they decide to go to the facility uh, to get more information about the children, and it goes as follows. Um, well, what I do like about this scene is that they walk into this facility, and it looks as if... They're kind of standing in line behind two agents. Um, Banshee and Jubilee are invisible to their eyes. They are... The two agents are speaking to some woman in charge, uh, Agent Santora. Um, Banshee says, Hey, but using... Oh, oh, I'm going to... I don't want to... Do I want to attempt this accent? Okay, let's see. So, (laughs) the guards are changing shifts. And Banshee says... Um, I, I, last, I, how do, how, how do I ever let you talk me into this woman? <laughs> Emma says, you agree the front door would be the most expedient way in. <laughs> okay, I, I, but using me sonic power to confuse their physical readings while we're psionically blocking their perception of us is more than a wee bit risky. <laughs> And so, the agents are talking to the agents and Tora, talking about anything to report, and they continue. But, Sean, risk is what makes life worth living. Really, lass? I feel like that is not the right accent. (laughs) Hearing I thought, living made life worth living. Like, what are you talking? Okay, I'm sorry, y'all. So then we go back to the facility the tent thing that the kids are trapped into and so they're still talking the four of them Clarice uh Gregor Paige and Angelo and it's like I really this nigga I really must incense gang it'd be safer if we stay put and wait for the x-men and so Clarice is like nope, not me I don't agree and what I do like about Clarice in this um in this issue in this brief introduction we have of her is that she goes from this meek And sad, scared girl to being a little bit more outspoken and a little bit more confident. And you can see it literally in the pages, like from page one to like where we are now. And she's like more more um commanding, I'll say. And so they're all like, We need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do that. And then we hear off to the side, you need to be quiet. And then they all turn and look at Monet. And here go this nigga. Gosh. Miss St. Croix, you spoke. Girl, shut up. So she says, <clears throat> our first priority, people, is to free ourselves from this, the first of many prisons. So she, whatever the fuck she's been creating, she, it honestly, it looks like a gun made of this techno-organic stuff. She hits it against her palm, kind of like if you cock a gun. And here go this ugly Superman-looking nigga. While you were in your catatonic stupor, no offense, ma'am, we realize we're trapped pretty darn good. Somehow, the Phalanx is monitoring our every move. So, Monet raises her arm up to the sky and says, they were using these techno-organic suits in part to do so. Raw material I've been able to recalibrate in order to facilitate our escape. Bars, yes, bars. Raw material I've been able to recalibrate in order to facilitate our escape. <laughs> yeah, you see why I stand. So she raises her hand to the sky. She says, All I require is a power source. Slams this gun looking thing against one of the windows. That should be provided by this light. The light comes in hard as hell. You hear someone screaming, No! Who else is that? Gregor bitch ass. So he's like, How did you know? How did you know? 1100, zero, zero, whatever that binary shit. How did you know? And so. We get, just as the four young mutants thought at least understood what was happening, they are confronted by the realization that amongst them is a phalanx. But after all that they've been through, they adapt. And so... Paige, Angelo, and Clarice are like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, this nigga Gregor is dead. Uh, Angelo screaming. He was posing as one of us all along. How did you know? Uh, Monet says, there are precious few things I don't know, sir. I will say this. The writers over the years have done a damn good job with Monet. Smart ass mouth. Uh, th- th- snooty as hell know it all and yet still like everything that I've read of her for the most part has been consistent and I feel the same probably with Emma Frost as well because again they are kind of two sides of the same coin so we go back to the facility where Emma and Sean are on the computer doing whatever they're hiding themselves from the agents and uh, I'm not going to attempt this Irish accent again or Scottish accent whatever but he says maybe I'll just um, give Charles Excuse me. Maybe I'll just uh, have Charles give me a whole other head entirely because they're like, you know, bickering or whatever. And so Emma says these ultra sensitive computers are picking up a low level techno organic anomaly too low to trigger any alarms. But and so, again, this is something that I would like to see on in live action we got kind of a glimpse of them working together in the 90s generation x live action movie that was like eh, which we will be covering in this uh in this show so no that's coming um we get something kind of similar but they're so focused on this computer and and trying to find the location of the children and then all of a sudden you hear this for chunk And this gun is pointed at Emma's head. And someone's like, don't move. (laughs) So what happens is, even though they were being masked from the eyes of the agents, it's raining. (laughs) So I thought this was so funny that even though it's raining... They forgot to mask the rain puddle. So, even though we can't see you motherfuckers, we see this rain falling off of your body onto the floor. This water. (laughs) So, Emma's like, alright, look, I really don't got time for this shit. We're trying to get in and get out without hurting nobody. But if you're telling me I'm going to have to fry your minds in order to leave with the information I need, I'll be all too happy to accommodate. Like, Emma is a bad bitch. So... Sean jumps in, does his sonic screen, knocks everybody out because he's like, man, I don't need you pretty much killing these goddamn people. Uh, he knocks them out. They go back to the computer, um, do their little type of thing. Then we go back to Miss Monet, my girl, explaining like, oh, she's such a badass. Oh, my God, I love it. So she's standing next to this warped, melted husk corpse that was once Gregor. She says, listen closely because I only have time to go over this once. The phalanx, it would seem, have been undone by their own shrewdness. The harvester, in his attempt to monitor us, placed Gregor here as a plant. A ruse betrayed in part by Gregor's overly dependence on obviously antiquated colloquialisms, like, oh girl, come on. Judging by the bioelectric damage I inflicted by attuning him to the core cell of the Phalanx Energy link up, I've no doubt fused open a Comlink upload, creating the phototronic illusion we are still being monitored, while in truth, we will be escaping any questions, like, ah, oh, she's so fucking amazing, Monet staying over here, so, uh, <laughs> they are, so Paige and Angelo, and, uh, Clarice is like, all right, we finna get the fuck out of here, so, Monet turns towards the wall, and Clarice is like, um, but when Harvester came in, he the door was over here. She says, yes, I know. Pulls back, punches this humongous hole in the wall. She said, which is exactly why we're leaving this way. Her, Angelo, and Clarice start to walk out. Now, this is another reason why I just fucking love this series. I love this writing. Maybe this just imprinted on me as a kid and I just never shook it. But Monet gets ready to walk out of the containment thing. And she hears... <clears throat> Keep an eye on them gal. Paige? It's the T.O. virus, isn't it? The infection is spreading. Been fighting in a while. But it feels like my guts are on fire. Going without me. I I only slow y'all up. Monet says, imminent logical. Your condition certainly puts the rest of us at risk. But until you are actually either dead or assimilated into their unholy covenant, it's a risk I'm willing to take. And she grabs Paige up, throws her out of the facility. Like, oh, my God, I freaking love Mm it. I love it. So uh, now the four of them are standing outside of the kind of ball thing, but they're inside of a larger facility. And (laughs) Clary says, no sign of the phalanx. Reason enough to give thanks. Monet says, On the contrary, Miss Ferguson, we are surrounded on all sides by a hostile life form, capable of using either organic or techno-organic matter to replicate itself into the ninth, me, to the ninth degree. An enemy that is out there waiting for us in the darkness. Then we pull back and you see this big-ass ship just in the darkness, moonlight overhead, traveling somewhere, and, like, that's the end. Like, oh, my God. Um, I don't know, y'all. I'm fucking excited. I love this goddamn series, if you couldn't tell already. So, the next issue is actually the end of the FanLance Covenant. We're going to get the final chapter in the Generation Next arc. Um, and for that required reading, guys, it will be X-Men number 37. So, keep that in mind. Read ahead, read along, or whatever. I freaking love this series. So, tell me, um... If you're brand new to this series, if you know nothing about these folks, like these first three episodes, have it, has it piqued your interest? Are you interested to see like, oh, what are these, what is this story about? Maybe I should get into it. You know, if not, that's cool too. If you are already a fan of Generation X, like have you revisited it, re- revisited the series lately? Um, I have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, and what I absolutely fucking hate about that damn app is that it is not a full library of work. I don't understand it. So they rebranded, and there's like this new... The app has been refreshed. Looks good. But when it comes to series like Generation X, where there's only 75 issues... They're missing huge chunks of the damn series. That makes no sense to me. Like when I go through and I read the Uncanny X-Men, they start at issue zero and run well into 400, 500, something issues. You have every single issue. How is it you don't have all of Generation X? Does that that not seem weird to you all? So I haven't checked out um, New Mutants. So I'm not certain if there's the full run. On Marvel Unlimited, if you are a New Mutants fan and you know, please let me know. But, Marvel Entertainment posted this new experience and all new, all different. Marvel Unlimited, the app with everything you need to read Marvel Comics. Here are some of the features and updates. Okay, girl, fine. Where the fuck are issues 12 through 25 and 32 through 62? Like, what? So... That being said, I want to let you guys know that I do plan on hitting all of the Generation X um, issues and appearances. Now, that being said, I know that I own every issue of Generation X. However, I was a kid in the 90s. So, my issues, a lot of them, the covers are ripped off. A lot of them, pages are kind of altered. So, there is, I'm going to do my best to kind of get ahead of the missing issues before I get to them in this series. but. I, I don't, like I just pulled out issue 50 of Generation X and there is not a single cover attached to my copy. I can read through it from front to back. There is not a cover on that copy. It's still legible. It's not like ratted, ripped up pages or anything. But I say all this to say there may be some gaps, unfortunately, in this run that I'm trying to get ahead of before I get anywhere near, those particular issues i just wish that if you're going to have an app like marvel unlimited and you already have not collected the entirety of the generation x run why not add those missing issues like what like it's not okay i think i saw more aggressive than i mean to but it's not like it is something like like an album. Like, you know, you'll listen to the soundtrack of a movie, and you'll hear certain songs, but then when it comes down to streaming, certain songs aren't on that album. That's not the case. This is a Marvel comic. Like, are you, do you mean to tell me that when Marvel went through his bankruptcy and everything, and stuff was sold off, that now issues 12 through 25 and 32 through 62 are only accessible through Fox? Like, somebody help me understand, because I'm getting frustrated, but I'm... I'm pretty far away from certain issues so we're not going to stress too much about that now but just know you may have to get a little bit creative with the series all that being said let me know what you guys think. Are you enjoying this series? Do you like Generation X? Do you have any ideas? Any questions? If you have any questions about Generation X, about any of the characters, any of the runs, even some X-Men stuff, please feel free to message me. Um, Twitter, there's an official Twitter account tied to this particular series, S-L-T-M-POD, smells like Teen Mutants. Um, use that hashtag, S-L-T-M-POD as well. Search the hashtag for different um, tweets, different polls, different um thoughts and stuff that I have about the series. It's all housed there. Um I'm really a Generation X stan, if you can't tell (laughs) but let me know what you guys think and uh give me give me your questions. Give me your ideas, your thoughts. Um do you hate a character? Do you love a character? Do you want to see more from someone? Do you want to see less of others? And um, you know, so let me know how it is. So again, for next episode if you're reading along or following along at home, you need to read X-Men issue number 37. And I believe that's the 1991 series. X-Men issue number 37. And that will be the final chapter in the Fanlay's Covenant slash Generation Next arc. Well, uh, until next time, y'all. Stay carefree. Stay nerdy. Stay geeky and... I don't know keep your wits about you, be kind of aware, so if you ever get kidnapped or if you're ever in a group project and someone seems to be a little bit too cartoonish, open the door and whoop they ass no. <laughs>